and I alluded to it a little bit earlier, we have a special treat. We have Jim Hill in our house today. Jim has a long history here. He is a father of this house. He's a missionary and a man of fire and a man of God. We love him. <laughs> and I'm happy to pray for him. If you would extend your hands toward Jim today. Lord God, we thank you, Lord, for this man. Lord, we thank you for his walk, for his testimony, for even the times where he's taught us through the trials and tribulations that he's been through. And Lord, we just thank you for the voice that you've given him and the wisdom that you've given him. We just honor him today. And God, we ask for the flow of the Holy Ghost, the anointing of the Holy Spirit, and just give us ears to hear, Lord. Ears to hear, Lord, what you're saying. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. That's real important to me, that, that prayer, because I really don't know how to say what's in my heart. Um, I really believe that um, we're under attack by the forces of evil that are trying to control our mind, our minds, and... Um, I'm going to try to speak into a very sensitive uh, subject this morning. Um, and so I, I want you to really pray for me and try not to get mad at me, if you can help it. Um, this morning I felt like, in, in three years ago, I published a book, and it was called Impenetrable. Um, breaking the curse of racial hatred. Okay, and I felt like the Lord told me to bring all of the copies of that book I had, which wound up being two. <laughs> I've only got two copies. It's a little book. You can read it in three or four hours. Um, but this is uh, a testimony of a miraculous set of supernatural circumstances surrounding a racial reconciliation meeting in uh, Argentina, in uh, the same province where my son-in-law and Pablo Gonzalez uh, grew up. There's a, an area there called the Impenetrable, Impenetrable in Spanish, the Impenetrable Zone. Because in 1898, the Argentine government passed a decree that they were going to send the army in and kill every single Native American in that province. They were sent with the task of killing them all or driving them out. But when they got there, um, the land itself and the, the people and everything, it was so resistant. The, the soldiers got sick. They died of yellow fever, dengue, etc., and so forth. And so the, the, the Argentine soldiers called it the impenetrable zone because they couldn't penetrate it. They couldn't conquer it, you know. Well, 100 years later, exactly, from the day they passed that decree to wipe out all of the Native Americans, uh, Christian 
pastors, representatives of six Native American tribes and the descendants of European settlers reconciled, and they asked forgiveness between the Indian tribes that had been at war for hundreds of years before the white boys showed up. They asked forgiveness between the tribes, and then the, the white guys asked the Indians for forgiveness, and it was accompanied with signs and wonders such that a land that was plagued by drought uh, habitually for generations it started to rain and crops began to grow and there was a change. Now I've got two copies here and I'm ready to give it to qualified people who have never read it who will agree to pray for me because I'm writing another book on recon racial reconciliation. Right now I've been working on for 10 years. I've been doing research for 10 years on this book about racial reconciliation based on the life of my great-great-grandfather who fought in the Civil War, was captured, was held in a Union uh, prisoner of war camp, and when he was released, he walked home from New York back to western North Carolina and became a Baptist pastor and became friends with and neighbors to a group of freed slaves who had a property called the Kingdom of Happy Land. Look that up on the internet. It seems hard to do, but there was a group of freed slaves that were able to work for a Mrs. Patton and buy land in Tuxedo, North Carolina, in Green River, and they still had living memory of the way their villages were run in Africa, and so they elected a king and a queen, a brother and a sister, and it was called the Kingdom of Happy Land. And they lived right next door to my great-great-granddaddy, John Ripley Heatherly. And they're all buried in the same graveyard in Mountain Page, North Carolina. Now, I want to get that book written because I think it's a timely word for what we're going through now. Okay, now I'll give these two books to people that will promise to pray for me. Come and get them. My, you get one. Because I know she prays. All right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I got to stay between the. It's really hard to get. And you know what I mean. It's hard to stay in there. Okay. I'll stay between the ropes. All right. My next question is Does anybody know who Ruby, Ruby Bridges is? Does anyone know who Ruby Bridges? Her name's Ruby Bridges Hall now. She's married. Her maiden name was Ruby Bridges. Ruby Bridges was born in 1954, the year that the Supreme Court of the United States decided that segregation in public schools was unconstitutional. But she was the first little black girl to ever attend elementary school in New Orleans, Louisiana. Norman Rockwell painted a very famous picture of her, and it was titled, uh, The Problem We All Live With. The Problem We All Live With. And it was little Ruby walking in between four 
white federal marshals marching her into the school. And that same day, 500 parents came and got their kids out of that school because they didn't want them to go to school with that little girl. That's wrong. Would you want that being your little girl? But there was a lovely white school teacher that loved Ruby. And she protected her so much that Ruby didn't understand that everybody was leaving because of her. Now, the remarkable thing in all of that is is that today, Ruby Bridges Hall is not a bitter person. She is a sweet-spirited, forgiving believer. That's the real miracle. That's the real miracle. That every black person in America my age is not bitter and angry. I grew up during the the time when there was real civil rights to be fought for and laws needed to be changed so that all men who are created equal, that have certain God-given inalienable rights can exercise those rights in our society. The year before I, I was in the first grade when they passed the, 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 the desegregation order. But I only attended one. It took them 12 years to integrate schools in Henderson County, North Carolina. That was wrong. And we're still suffering for it. We're still suffering for it. Do any of you remember a song? It was written by Graham Kendrick. And I'm, I, I want to address this issue, but I want to address this issue of righteousness and justice from a biblical standpoint. Did you know that uh, that it's only in English that those two concepts are separate? In Hebrew and in Greek and in Latin and all Latin-based languages like French or Spanish or... Um, any of the Portuguese, any of the Latin-based languages, the word is the same word. Because only in English have we separated this binary truth into two separate concepts. Because from a biblical worldview, there can be no justice without righteousness. Righteousness and justice is only separate 
in the English mindset. It is not from a biblical worldview. And I want to talk about how we can get our mind right. And this time, because I'm telling you, evil loves sin. Evil comes in to destroy when the way is opened because of sin. If we hate anyone because of their race or ethnicity or national origin, uh, if we hate people because of that, that's sin, and the enemy has a way of getting in on it. He will come in and he will destroy He will tear down. He will wreck things. And I believe that the Lord wants us to get our minds right. He wants us to begin to think the way he thinks and perceive the the world around us the way he perceives the world around us. We have to ask the Holy Spirit to brainwash us, to get this thing clean, to clean it up. Cause me to think about things in the way that is presented in Scripture, not in the way that is presented through the news media. Graham Kendrick, in about 1988 or 9, wrote this song. Uh, Does anybody remember the song, Shine, Jesus Shine? It says, I feel like this is a great prayer over our nation today. It's a great prayer over our nation today. Shine, Jesus Shine. Fill this land with the Father's glory. Blaze, spirit, blaze, set our hearts on fire. Flow, river, flow. Flood the nations with grace and mercy. Send forth your word. Lord, let there be light. There was a a movement that happened in the early 1990s. It was called a March for Jesus. Is anybody old enough to have participated in one of those marches for Jesus? I think it started in England, and it, it really, over the next three or four years, it spread around the world. I was living in Paraguay, and it was probably 1993 or 1994, And uh, the pastor's council that I attended in Asuncion, Paraguay, uh, organized one of those marches for Jesus. And we met in the, Luis knows it, there's a plaza right in front of the first railroad station, the first train built in South America was in Paraguay. And the the train station is right there in front of a Uruguayan plaza, Plaza Uruguaya, and we started there, and we got together about five or 6,000 believers for this march. Now, you've got to understand that in Paraguay at that time, evangelical believers only accounted for 1% to 2% of the population. 
So it was a pretty good representation of the believers in Asuncion that got together. It was five or 6,000 people. And they had a, like a float, like a parade float, you know, that had a, a portable band thing on it. And they, were, and they were going, shine, Jesus, shine, you know, and the whole thing. You know, it was a whole march, and, and, but it was in Spanish. And so we went down the main street, Calle Palma, there in Asuncion, and we wound up down in the plaza in front of the government buildings. So we, that was the, the end point of the march. So we had about five or 6,000 people in the plaza down there singing worship songs and praying for the kingdom of God to be established and peace to come and all of this kind of stuff. And over in, in typical in Spanish towns at the center plaza, there's government buildings on one side and then you've got the cathedral, the, the Catholic cathedral on the other corner. And over in front of the Catholic church, there was about... A half a dozen, maybe at most 12 protesters over there. And those 12 protesters were just screaming their lungs out. Oh, injustice, oh, give us something for free. You know. I don't remember exactly what they were protesting or what they were saying. But the point is, is that night on the evening news, guess what showed up on the evening news is what happened in the plaza that day. The evening news was filled with the faces of anger. It was filled with the voices of protest. It was filled with hatred. That was about 300 yards one of John Crowley's best drives away from uh, the the place. You got 6,000 people worshiping God here. You got six people protesting over here. Guess who got all the news coverage? The times may be a changing, but they don't change that much. Even Mr. Rogers, back in the 1970s, he says this. The media, shows the, ti- the, the media shows the tiniest percentage of what people do. There are millions and millions of people doing wonderful things all over the world, and they're generally not the ones touted in the news. He also said, when I was a boy... I would see scary things in the news. My mother would say to me, look for the helpers. You will always find people who are helping. I need to step out of the camera. When I get emotional, my nose runs. I don't think I have COVID. (laughs) Beware of the fog of war. The enemy uses confusion. The fog of war. Walk in the fog of God. The favor of God. We've got to choose which fog we're going to walk in. 
the fog of war where there's confusion and anger and hatred and division? Or are we going to work walk in the favor of God where there's mercy and love and forgiveness? See, that's what makes Ruby Briggs Bridges such a great person. She was done wrong and she forgave. I want to be like her when I grow up. Uh, one of my, I'm on a goodness gracious, time's flying. Take a detour. Um, one of my favorite Psalms is Psalm 19. Psalm 19 is a great psalm to contemplate, to meditate on. And I just want to read a few, just a couple of verses. Now, if we're going to get our minds right about what's going on around us, this is a good first step. This is a good first step. Psalm 19, verses 7 and 8 says, the instructions of the Lord are perfect, reviving the soul. I love the way it says it in Spanish, aviva el alma. I don't know why that just, it just, to bring to life, to resurrect your soul. Let the instructions of the Lord resurrect your hope, your soul, your spirit, your vision. The decrees of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. His decrees work. The commandments of the Lord are right. They are just because justice and righteousness are only found in Him. Without the scriptures, we do not know what is righteous or what is just. It is only in his word that we have a bedrock on which to stand. It is the foundation of our society. We are founded on the Judeo-Christian principles of what's written in the word of God. And I shall not yield. The commands of the Lord are clear. And I love it the way it says it in the, the, uh, the New Living Translation. It says, the commands of the Lord are clear. You can understand them, people. Giving insight for living. That is what we should base our living on. That which we find here. You can't trust what you see in the news. I don't care which channel you watch. Come on, people. Quit feeding off of social media where every garbage mouth, garbage spirit person on the planet can dump their trash out there to incite a riot. We've got to, we've got to, we've got to get to the point where we can love one another. 
We've got to get to the point where we say all men are created equal. All have inalienable rights. We're in this together. I'm sorry. I I always aspire to be a calm preacher. I, I rarely make it. Psalm, the last verse in Psalm 19, I'll just cut to that. It says, uh, Psalm nineteen fourteen, good year. Uh, May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. I don't want just my public persona. I don't want just... the words I say in public, what I'm yearning for is that the meditations of my heart would be 100% in line with what's written in the Word of God. I am so sick of having the trash floaters in my heart and in my thoughts. I can't, you know, I really have to limit how much of the news I can watch because everybody's angry. Everybody's looking for somebody to blame. Everybody's looking to point the finger that do not participate in the ministry of the accuser of the brethren. Don't do it. It ain't God. Stay away from it. Find a way to bless with your words. Find a way to bless with your thoughts. Find a way to bless with your prayers. Even your worst enemy. Find a way to bless them sincerely. Not hoping it'll boomerang and hit him in the head and kill him. <laughs> One of the greatest lines in Fiddler on the Roof. You know, I've watched very few movies in my life, but Fiddler on the Roof, I watch every once in a while. And there was a, they asked, the, you know, they were being persecuted by the Russian government. And, uh, they asked the rabbi, says, Rabbi, is there a blessing for the czar? <laughs> and he says, well, yes, there's a blessing for everyone, you know. May the Lord bless and keep the czar far from us. <laughs> I love that line. I was sitting in my office uh, two or three weeks ago. I was getting ready to preach in Spanish on Facebook Live, and the Lord just dropped this one in on me. I really think this is a word from the Lord. It says, Bitterness, envy, and anger are traps of the enemy designed to steal mercy, forgiveness, and joy from the hearts of my sons and daughters. I'm going to say that one again, okay? Because I really think this is, is God saying, open your eyes. Look at what's happening. Bitterness, envy, and anger are traps of the enemy designed to steal mercy, forgiveness, and joy from our hearts. Don't fall into his trap. 
any time that you feel bitter, resentful, envy, or anger, turn and run to the fountain of mercy. Turn and run to the Father as quickly as you can. If you feel this, if you feel resentment towards the opposing political party, if you feel resentment toward any politician, no matter how inane and inept they are, run to the Father. Don't let it begin to infect your way of thinking. Guard your hearts and minds. Guard them jealously like a thief is trying to break in and steal stuff from you. Anger in offense makes you subject to deception. You can never perceive the truth if you are angry or offended. We live in a culture of offense. Perfect peace have they that love thy law and nothing shall offend them. Don Ging used to beat me over the head with that all the time when I was a young man. Don't be offended. Forgive. That's keys for righteous living. Proverbs 22, verses 24 and 25 are real powerful. It says, don't befriend angry people. Or associate with hot-tempered people. Or you will learn to be like them. And endanger your soul. That is the word of the Lord. Avoid angry discussions amongst yourselves. It is not profitable. It leads to deception an offense. Proverbs 27, verse 4, says this. Anger is cruel and wrath is like a flood, but jealousy is even more dangerous. Be content in your hearts. Um... Goodness, I'm going to have to leave something out here. What to leave out. What to deal with. Um, Philippians 4, I'll go ahead and see if I can run through this quick. Uh, You know that there was was, uh, conflicts in the first century church. People that have been people a very long time. In Philippians uh, 4, starting in verse 2, there's, some, there's a little interesting tete-a-tete here. It says, Now I appeal to Aodia and Synthichi, I think that's how you say it, uh, please, because you belong to the Lord, settle your disagreement. 
If you have a disagreement with somebody in the body of Christ, get it settled. Now's not the time to be divided, church. And I ask you, my true partner, to help these two women, for they worked hard with me in telling others the good news. They worked along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers, whose names are written in the book of life. Always be full of joy in the Lord. As in King James, it says rejoice, and again I say rejoice. Um, But, you know, people who evangelize and preach and, you know, and are involved in ministry sometimes still have disagreements. Uh, I don't know if you've been aware of any church leadership disagreements in your past, but I've encountered a few. Uh, But now's not the time to tolerate them. Now's not the time. There's too much at stake right now. Let everyone see that you're considerate in all you do. Remember the Lord is coming soon. Don't worry about anything. Now, that's a challenge, isn't it? In my personal life, that's a pretty big challenge sometimes. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He's done. Right there. To get your needs taken care of, thank Him for what He's already done. That's a huge key to receiving more is thank Him for what you've already had. Then you will experience God's peace which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Church, we need to guard our minds. We need to have the peace of God in our minds right now because the times, they are a-changing. We all knew at the first of this year that it was going to be unlike any other we'd ever seen, right? That's the one commonality in all the prophecies about 2020 is it's going to be a different kind of year. And boy, howdy. But I just, I'm going to just go right through my notes here. Who knows? I can't string it all together in five, ten minutes. Uh, Mr. Rogers said, forgiveness is a strange thing. It is. It can sometimes be easier to forgive our enemies than our friends. It can be hardest of all to forgive people we love. Because along with whatever sin was committed against you, you have a sense of betrayal. Because that person who loved you, not only did you wrong, but they betrayed you and the love you have for them. Listen, I've got some personal stuff involved in what I'm saying here. In my own life. I've had people that I would surrender my life for, that I would die for, honest to God, who totally betrayed me. And it's been tough. But forgiveness is the only way forward. Forgiveness is the only way forward. Mercy is our only option. If we're going to really 
believe that the Word teaches us how to live our lives, then we have to employ mercy and forgiveness. And the closer that person is to you, the more difficult it will be for you. When we have conflicts with brethren or family, we must, 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 must remember. Thank you, ma'am. Ephesians 6.12. This is hard to apply when it's to a family member or someone you dearly love. We're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. It's really angry for some of us to to have bad feelings toward the rioters. Now, I'm not for violence, There's a difference between protest and violence. There's a difference between creative solutions, like one of probably everybody's all-time heroes, Martin Luther King Jr., who's now even being criticized because he was a pacifist and he wasn't violent enough. You know what? That's really twisted. You know, that's got to be some kind of twisting to get to that point where he can be openly criticized for having uh, brought about civil rights reform through pacifistic means. I mean, when you can twist that around and make that bad, we've gotten really twisted, church. We've gotten really twisted when that, when that can be criticized. You know, but but... There are unseen powers at work. There are demonic forces being unleashed, and it feeds off of the anger. It feeds off of the envy. It gets so messed up and intertwined that you can't separate right from wrong anymore. That is the fog of war that we have to resist and run to the favor of God. Does that make any sense to anybody but me? Because things are so confused now that right is wrong and wrong is right. That's evil. That's evil all day, every day. Oh, I don't even have time for the Ziklag story. It's a good story. You're going to have to wait. We got to set up for VBS. Okay. You remember Ziklag? Does anybody know the story of Ziklag? David was being persecuted by Saul, and so he, was, he had run, but David was such an honorable man that even his enemies uh, respected him, that when he gave his word, he'd keep his word. So this Philistine king gave him a city called Ziklag. 
Now, it comes to the time when the, the Philistines are going to go to battle against Israel. And so David shows up because he's with this, uh, this Philistine king, you know. And they say, oh, we don't want David in amongst us when we start fighting because he's liable to shoot us in the back. And so they sent David and his guys home. Well, they marched three days to get to the battle. And then they said, no, you can't fight with us. So they marched three days back home. They get back home, and in the six days since they was gone, a bunch of Amalekites had come in and had raided their camp and burned the place to the ground and captured all their wives and taken all their children captive. And so David, and it says, now, when they got back and they discovered everybody had done in verse 6, 1 Samuel 30, verse 6 says, David was now in great danger because all of his men... Men were very bitter about losing their sons and daughters, and they began to talk of stoning him. But David found strength in the Lord his God. David's own men were going to kill him because of what had happened to all of them. David had lost his wives and kids too. And then he sought the Lord. And in verse 7 it says, Then he said to Abathar the priest, Bring me the ephod. So Abathar brought it, and David asked the Lord, Should I chase after this band of raiders? Will I catch them? And the Lord told him, Yeah, go after them. You'll surely recover everything that was taken from you. So David and his 600 men set out in pursuit. And it took them a a couple of days to get to the brook of Basor. And they just marched six days, and then they took off trying to catch up with the people that had raided their camp. And out of the 600 men, a third of them, 200, were so exhausted, they just couldn't go any further. I can't take one more step. So David said, okay, you stay here with our stuff, you stay with the equipment, and we'll go. And so they went, and they got back everything. They got back everything they had lost, all the wives, all the children, all the, the, the money, all the cattle, all the everything. And the Amalekites had been raiding other villages, and so they had accumulated a lot of booty, out and around, and, and, and plunder, and one thing or another. So they got back more than they lost. You see what I'm talking about? They got back more than they lost. And so they, when they get everything, those 400 men, they get everything, they accumulate it, and they go back, and they find the 200 that was exhausted. And it, it says, um, then in verse 21, says, Then David returned to the brook Basor, and met up with the 200 men who had been left behind because they were too exhausted to go with him. And they went out to meet David and his men, and David greeted them joyfully. But now listen to this. But some evil troublemakers amongst David's men said, they didn't go with us, so they can't have any of the plunder we recovered. Give them their wives and their kids and tell them to get out of here. But David said... No, my brothers, don't be selfish. I love the, in the, in the Spanish version, it uses the word egotista. Egoista, egoista. Gracias, Pablito. Egoista. Ego, pride, selfishness is a rottenness to the body of Christ. Get it out. Don't be selfish with what the Lord has given us. He's kept us safe and helped us defeat this band of raiders that attacked us. 
Now listen to this, verse 24. Who will listen when you talk like this? If the church of Jesus Christ is going to have a voice in the midst of this trouble, we can't be talking out of our egos. We can't be out there trying to get likes and visits and popularity on social media. That's death. Anything done out of pride is not from God because he gets all the glory. We wonder why the church doesn't have any credibility. It's because we're fighting amongst ourselves all the time. I'm right, you're wrong. No, I'm right, you're wrong. Come on, people. Get over it. Love one another. We will not have a voice in this moment in history if we don't repent from our selfishness. That's a condensed version of the story of Ziklag. David even took some of that plunder that he had gotten and he sent a gift to the elders of Judah. He gave great portion away. Then, in a short space of time, Saul, who had been persecuting him, was killed in a different battle. And those same elders from Judah that he had sent gifts and offerings to called David up to be promoted to their king. You got ears to hear yet? Are you listening? When the enemy attacks us, God can use it to multiply our resources, increase our favor with God and man, and release us to walk in our divine destiny. If it worked for David at Ziklag, it can work for me and you in 2020 right now in the midst of COVID. You think we're not being attacked? The same principles of generosity and forgiveness and humility that worked for David will work for you and me. That's kingdom thinking. Not accumulating AK-47s and bullets to shoot your neighbors when they come for your dehydrated beans and barley. That was a personal jab. (laughs) Forgive me. All of us are tried and tested. All of us are going to go through things. How you act when you go through the things determines whether you get to your divine calling or not. A time of testing is a time of promotion. A time of testing is a time for advancement. Those who have suffered much will be given much. 
Jesus, when he was talking to his disciples on the night that he was betrayed, he knew he was getting ready to be nailed up to a cross the next morning. He said, you've stayed with me in Luke 22, verses 28 through 34, says, you have stayed with me in my time of trial. Even Jesus had trials. Jesus won his position by passing the test in his trial. We got to see this time of testing is a time for passing the test. And just as my father has granted me a kingdom, I now grant you the right to eat and drink in my kingdom, and you will sit on thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And then Jesus turned. Now, what expression did Jesus have on his face when he, in your mind when he turned to Simon and said, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you, all of you, like wheat. But I've pleaded in prayer for you, Simon, that your faith won't fail. So when you've repented and turned to me again, you can strengthen your brethren. Peter said, Lord, here comes his egoism. Here comes his pride. Rising to the surface, says, Lord, I'm ready to go to prison with you and even to die with you. Now, I, th- I think Jesus turned to him and he says, Pete. You don't know nothing, man. Before the cock crawls, before that rooster crows tomorrow morning three times, you're going to deny me. You know what? But it'll be okay. Because, see, Jesus saw through to the other side. Jesus saw through to the other side. I don't think he had a scowly face when he was talking to Peter. I think he was saying, man, I've got plans for you. You're going to be one of the most anointed, most, most famous apostles in my kingdom. You're going to establish churches. You're going to do great stuff, boy. But you've got to have that pride eradicated first. You see, when we're going through stuff, it's because God is working something in us. Philippians 4, 6 and 9. And then I'm going to get out of here. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He's done. That you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. In verse 8. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable, and right, and pure, and lovely, and admirable. Think on these things that are excellent and worthy of praise. I beseech you in the name of Jesus Christ. I ask you, church, think on these things. Do not meditate in your heart continuously on every wrong thing that is happening worldwide all the time. Be careful of the information you use to form your opinions and thoughts. Not all sources of information are healthy or honest. Bitterness, envy, and anger are traps of the enemy designed to steal your 
forgiveness and mercy and joy. When the enemy attacks, know that God can use it to multiply your resources and increase your favor with God and man and release you to walk in your destiny. And I'm going to ask you to pray with me that last verse in Psalm 19 over and over again. Let's pray that the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts would be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, my God and my Redeemer. I want my thoughts and my hearts to be free of all that crap. Excuse me, Pastor. I did clean it up a little. May the Lord bless you, and may the Lord keep you, and may His light and mercy and justice and righteousness rain down upon you and fill every fiber of your being so that you can go out into the world and testify to the goodness and mercy of the living God. Thank you there, Jim. You were a powerful word. I have nothing else to add to it. Other than just ask the prayer ministry team to come up here. And if you need any further prayer, concerning even whatever Jim has just spoken about, that you need your heart to be touched and healed, please come. And avail yourself of these lovely people that will be praying for you. Amen? Amen. So may the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. And may his lovely face shine on you. May his grace chase you. And may his anointing completely rest on you forever. And we all say it. Amen. Amen.